1: We're recording this episode today from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus here in Edmont, Oklahoma, and we're really excited about this subject today. I actually had to change the subject uh, this morning just because I thought it would be a good idea uh, not to completely overlap with Philadelphia Church of God Pastor General Gerald Fleury's sermon this past Sabbath that most church members are going to be hearing this upcoming weekend So I just wanted to stay completely out of the way of that and maybe talk about that subject uh, next week instead. But we do have something that does still relate to Celtic throne like we've been talking about recently. And so today we're just going to talk about why God's work does place such high value on music. It's pretty evident everywhere in God's work. The priority placed on music, the Armstrong International Cultural Foundation here hosts a concert series every year. It is really a gem in the local community. These concerts are actually heavily subsidized. Basically, the ticket prices are not nearly high enough to actually turn a profit on any of the concerts in that concert series. So why would God's work want to put on events that are actually costing the work a lot of extra money? when they could easily just raise the prices and pay for it that way, They could easily pass the cost on to the patrons. Also, God's work has produced numerous musical albums, music uh, musicals themselves. Uh, dvds of the musicals really uplifting beneficial music here at herbert w armstrong college and imperial academy music classes are not really looked at as elective courses basically it is required to receive at least a basic uh, music training or instruction in the value of music Recently, music director Ryan Malone published a booklet, How God Values Music, which is available to you for free at thetrumpet.com. Multiple times every year, the students here participate in recitals or concerts or music productions like Celtic Throne, for example, which just went through five performances in the span of 10 days. And again, all of this is subsidized. This is not to, in any way, turn any kind of a profit. So why does God's work so highly value music? Well, the short answer is simply because God values music. Zephaniah 3 verse 17 says, The Lord your God in the midst of you is mighty. He will save he will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over you with singing. Did you ever think about the fact that God himself loves to sing? Revelation 4 has a vision of God's throne room where angels praise him with song nonstop. That really does show what God thinks about the right kind of music. In this How God Values Music booklet, Mr. Malone wrote, your ability to be inspired by a symphony, to be enriched by a sculpture, or to be uplifted by a sunset is a miracle. That ability is possible because of the God-like mind that God created in you. God endowed man with the power of mind. Herbert W. Armstrong wrote in The Incredible Human Potential. This is Mr. Malone quoting Mr. Armstrong. It seems obvious that human minds were made to function in the same manner as the creators, although in an inferior way. But how do we humans use our minds? We are endowed with something akin to creative powers. Then Mr. Malone continues. This ability makes the human being a unique creation. No animal has this ability. God gave it only to man because of our unique and special purpose. A feature of the unique godlike mind that humans possess is the ability to appreciate creative, artistic endeavors. That's a wonderful point that music actually does set human beings apart from every other life form on the planet. No animal knows how to sing or produce music of any kind. No animal can dance his heart out. And yet humans can. Mr. Malone, a little bit later on in this booklet, wrote, It is a biblical principle, in fact, that the people associated with God, his mind, way of thinking, his laws, his culture, tend to be more advanced culturally and they positively impact those around them. Their music becomes a cherished commodity. Now that would certainly apply to God's work today. God's type of music becoming a cherished commodity, an advanced form of culture. That was clearly the case with Celtic Throne. The reviews that came in from that show were overwhelmingly positive positive people deeply inspired by that show. There is something truly special about the type of music that the church, that the work produces. Mr. Malone continues. This was the case with ancient Israel in the anchor Bible, Hebrew poetry expert, Mitchell DeHood discusses the highly sophisticated nature of the Psalms and concludes the poet's consistency of metaphor and subtlety of wordplay bespeak a literary skill surprising in a people recently arrived from the desert and supposedly possessing only a rudimentary culture. You see, that's the way that probably most scholars would look at ancient Israel. Just a desert people enslaved for hundreds of years, really knowing not much of anything about quality culture. Yet, the Psalms show otherwise. And Mr. Malone says that is because Israel's was not a r- rudimentary culture. Now, a great example of godly culture is in the ancient Israelite King David. In fact, that was really a big focus of Celtic throne was how his royal descendants danced across continents and oceans from Jerusalem to Ireland to Scotland to England to America to preserve that kingly line. David himself was a master musician. In fact, God's work has produced an entire musical about King David it's titled, David, The Endless Throne Begins, and we're just going to play one song from that. It's titled, The Heart of a King, and you'll hear in this song, the prophet Samuel, in, in among Jesse's family, trying to select the next king, you'll hear God inspiring Samuel's choice and how God really does look upon the heart when he is judging human character. So we'll play The Heart of a King now.
2: This was the man whom God ordained, anointed with oil to great ovation. This was the man with heaven's honor, crown and rod. But this was the man who then maintained, by keeping the spoil of lawless nations, he was a man who had obeyed the voice of God. But God's commands he had rejected. Nor could his hard heart be corrected. And though I cried to God all night, for a man once small in his own sight, a new king now. Jesse's sons, God promised, would appear. This one is surely chosen, our king is standing here.
0: Look not on his height, nor judge by mortal sight. The measure earthly instruments can shout only God sees through the superficial view. The Lord eternal looks upon the heart. The heart, the heart of a king is a heart after my own. It's the heart, it's the heart of a king. It's the heart that rules from the throne Look not on his frame, that saw your eyes can claim Such beauty man might classify as art God looks beneath the skin At what lies deep within The Lord eternal looks upon the heart on his face nor proved by human gaze with what your finite vision can impart for man can only know what surface light will show the lord eternal looks upon the heart
2: Jesse's sons, God promised would appear, but none of these is chosen. Oh, your children
0: here, the youngest yet remains. Behold, he tends the sheep. He dwells among the folds. He is probably asleep. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Go
2: fetch him from the fields. Among the nursing ewes, can you? Sure, that he is not the one whom God shall choose. The heart, the heart of a king it is a heart.
1: was The Heart of a King from David, The Endless Throne Begins. That is a musical produced by the Philadelphia Church of God. And you can actually listen to the entire soundtrack for free at pcg.church. You can also find the entire video of the musical on YouTube. just an uplifting show, and it does show the way that God judges human beings. David actually had at least 10 brothers. I believe it was 10 and Jesse, David's own father presented all of these sons to the prophet Samuel before finally calling David out of the fields and, and letting Samuel examine him. David seemed to be maybe the least impressive physically out of all of those sons even though David himself was a mighty man, even as a teenager who (laughs) slew a lion and a bear with his bare hands. It's hard to even imagine how physically impressive his own brothers must have been if David wasn't the first choice to be presented before Samuel. But Samuel was inspired by God to look beyond appearance and look upon the heart and really only God can discern the human heart. So God had to show David's heart to Samuel. And the whole reason this had to happen was because Saul, the nation's first King actually rebelled against God. And it was only about a year or so in that God had to tell Saul he was going to lose his kingly line. Power over Israel was going to be stripped away from him. And Samuel then had to anoint a new king, which was David. And then, right after this, it's really interesting. Right after this happens in 1 Samuel chapter 16, David comes into contact with King Saul. And at this point, Saul didn't even know that David had been anointed to eventually replace him. Although that replacement actually actually did take decades, but here's this account. First Samuel 16 verse 14, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Essentially God is allowing Satan and the demons to attack Saul as soon as Saul decided to rebel. That is pretty sobering just to see what does happen there. What can really go wrong in our lives when we start to willfully rebel against God. Verse 15, and Saul's servant said unto him, behold, now an evil spirit from God troubles you. Verse 16, let our Lord now command your servants, which are before you to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon you, that he shall play with his hand and you shall be well. So Saul's servants are sent all throughout Israel looking for someone who is a master musician, a skilled harpist who can actually play music so beautifully that it would heal Saul's mind. Verse 17 here, and Saul said unto his servants, provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. It goes on to say how they eventually chose David. David, Saul's very replacement, though Saul didn't know it yet, would be brought into Saul's court to try to help Saul with his demon problem. Verse 21 of first Samuel 16 and David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. That just shows David's heart right there. David knew he had been anointed to replace Saul and yet he had such overwhelming respect for authority and he loved Saul. He didn't disrespect or despise Saul for his own failures. He was very, very respectful. And then verse 22, and Saul said to Jesse saying, let David, I pray you stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. Again, before Saul knew that David would eventually replace him, Saul loved David. David loved Saul. And then verse 23. And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took a harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well. And the evil spirit departed from him. That is the power of godly music. And that is a kingly heart. A musical heart. How kingly is your heart? Music is a vital part of our education, of our cultural development. It's so important for all of us to enjoy the right kind of music, to participate in it if possible. There was actually a critical review of the Celtic Throne production (laughs) recently, and this was from someone who had some preconceived notions about the beliefs of the church. The whole review said how high quality the actual music and dancing was, how spectacular the whole production was, but he disliked what he saw as hidden religious messaging throughout it. And that's often the issue here where people love what God's work produces. And yet at the same time, they don't love the teaching part of it. They don't love the actual beliefs that make all of the quality production possible. You can't actually separate the two things. The music, the dance, all of that godly entertainment is inextricably linked With these beliefs, with this type of perspective on godly music, if we didn't have this kind of vision about the right kind of music, no one would even be participating in something like Celtic Throne. The work would not even put in all that time, all of those resources, all of that work to make something that inspiring. Maybe there would be a few individuals who would be part of dance troops, but it wouldn't be within God's church and God's work. They would have to join up with a different group because God's work wouldn't care about the right kind of music. These beliefs, this kind of perspective on godly music is vital. It's the whole reason that God's work is constantly producing quality music and dance. It just sometimes takes critics a while to figure out that link here in how God values music. Mr. Malone wrote music and he's talking about music in Israel under King David. Music was considered a component of an enriching life like good food and drink. Do you consider <laughs> music as valuable to your life as good food and drink. That's how God values music. He actually thinks of music as that important to us. And he wants all of us to experience the very best of music as often as we possibly can, preferably on a daily basis. And like I said, there's a whole lot of it available for free at pcg.church. On the church YouTube channel as well, where you can watch the full length musical productions. There's shows about David, like I said, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Hezekiah, and on and on. And there's still more in production, more to be seen. And it's all there, it's all available for us. It's certainly worth getting into and lifting up your mind. That right kind of music can soothe your mind. It can heal you if you are having issues like, like Saul did. Or even if it's not nearly that extreme, of course it will help you too. It can give you inner peace, which is something we all desperately need right now. Music is something that will go far beyond this physical life, way into the future, when Jesus Christ returns to set up his system of government over the entire earth. Zechariah eight gives us a vision of that future of the joy of that future. Zechariah eight verses three through five. Thus says the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, there shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem and every man with his staff in his hand for very age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. That clearly is not talking about today. You don't have elderly people hanging out in the streets today because it's way too dangerous. It's not a safe place for hardly anybody. In the future, they will not have to be afraid. And they will be able to spend time out there with their grandchildren, as it says. Boys and girls playing in the streets. And as Mr. Malone pointed out, that word playing there can refer to dancing and and playing musical instruments. It'd basically be like every city actually being a block party. Not being called a block party when it's being taken over by thugs. But actually a block party. Music and dance. Family members enjoying the fresh air together. Instead of cowering inside because of all the dangers of society. A huge part of that glorious future will be the right kind of music. The right kind of music that soothes the mind, that does lift us up, that does inspire us all the time. So today we've been talking about how God's work does value music, why God's work places such high emphasis on music. And next week we will get into the, the subject that I had originally planned for today. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new
2: episode each Monday at 1130 a.m. Central Time.